Welcome back to Cathode Ray Mission. I am Randy Big R Hire, and joining me, as always, live via satellite from Berkeley, California, Will Scoville. How's it going, Will? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Coming in with a bit of energy. Cool. I'm going to mellow out from the top there. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I hear you. I... Um, have you been? I know that the last since the last time we recorded, there's been yet another major weather weather catastrophe. Oh yeah, um, I mean, it, we we're all marveling at how like right now we're experiencing unseasonable warmth and stuff. I mean, today it's like fifty or whatever, but it's about to be in the seventies next week. Last week, I couldn't even I couldn't draw like everything was shut down yeah. for days because we had a huge snowstorm that just like crippled our whole city and state. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, we're north of Texas, but everybody saw in the news what was happening with them and stuff too. It was, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. I, I, I will say that like Texas is getting a lot of the, the Texas uh, government is getting a lot of well-deserved criticism about how they dealt with that, but that should not um, kind of lessen the impact of this storm across that entire region. Yeah. Even places that were a little bit more prepared, like Oklahoma, like still got hit pretty hard and it was still pretty bad. We so. did. And I mean, people, it wasn't because it wasn't the whole state. I mean, whatever. But like in October, we had, I had no power for three weeks because yeah. of an ice storm. And yeah. I mean, <clears throat> It was, it was oddly, it was only super cold for like about four of those days, you know, and then it Still, was man, that's annoyingly warm for some of the weeks that I was yeah. like, I had no power, but yeah, it still was like a nightmare, you know? And this, yeah, I mean, it, we got so, it got so cold that there's tons of pipes broke everywhere and stuff. I mean, it still yeah. caused a lot of property damage and stuff, even though it wasn't yeah. like, and I, there was no ice necessarily this time. No, less ice, I guess. Yeah, a, a YouTube guy I follow, uh, he's out of Austin. It just kind of was like, hey, no video this week. Um, instead, I'll just kind of cover what's going on yeah. here at my place. And it was bad. It was real bad. Um, so They're not yeah, prepared it, uh, for that kind of stuff at all. No, no. I mean, they're so far south, they rarely get it. But, you know, um, we are finding out that there were certain precautions that could have been in place that would have helped, uh, you know, um, make this not as bad as it ended up being, you know, it's still, it's still going to be a disaster either way, but you know, there's a certain responsibility that certain folks should have, um, that they just kind of seem to have ditched in Texas. Uh, and you know, this is where it got them, unfortunately. And, you know, I don't want to say to anyone, this is what you deserve. It's just that because they don't, nobody deserves this, honestly. Um, well, no, the people that live there are just like, I mean, yeah. think about how, like, I don't go around thinking about, oh, I hope legislation is protecting me. So in case some like horrible thing happens, you know, or yeah. whatever, it's like, it's the government, but I mean, voting who they vote on. I don't know, man. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this anyway, week, <laughs> shift, shift gears hard this uh, week. And, and. And more lighthearted news. The movie we're, we're reviewing this week. Mm. Why don't you a, take it away, Randy? Pretty uh, from the master of uh, satire, in my opinion. I feel like this is a Todd Salon's. We're covering this week. Okay, sorry. 
This week we're covering Dark Horse. Todd Salons' 2011 movie, I believe, is when it's from. Mm -hmm. To me, Todd Salons, in case you don't know who he is, and actually we're going to do a new segment on this, aren't we? We didn't even... Yeah, let's let's kind of start this new segment. This is what I'm going to try out. It's called the Wiki Roundup. So we're going to give a little bit of information about uh, high level that we're pulling straight from Wikipedia. Uh, about this movie, uh, Randy, you are correct. 2011 is the year this came out. Uh, written and directed by Todd Salons. Uh, stars uh, Justin Bartha, Selma Blair, uh, Mia Farrow, Jordan Gelber, Donna Murphy, uh, Christopher Walken, Zachary Booth, and Asif Mandvi from The Daily Show. Uh, so, yeah, it's about this guy in his mid to late 30s who's living with his parents, working for his dad, um, has a more successful brother, and um, really he has a lot of bad personality traits and is very, uh, if you're familiar with Todd Salons at all, uh, it is a very familiar character type, and it really just follows him and the people uh, involved in his life uh, through a certain part of his life. Uh, but, um, as with, uh, all Todd Salon's movies, there's a little bit more to it than that. So, uh, which we'll kind of uncover as we dig deeper into this review. So, yes. Um, and the name of that Randy, new segment is wiki roundup. Am I correct? Wiki that? roundup. That is wiki roundup. Cause I am not very creative in picking names hey, for things. I love, I love it. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no. So, uh, um, why why this movie this week, Randy? Why Todd well, Salons this week? I just uh, I don't know. Last week, and I think I think I maybe found out about this when it happened after I posted. I was like, oh yeah, maybe I already knew this, but I just forgot because this year, past year, has been so crazy. But it occurred to me that Matthew Faber, who played. Um, the oldest wiener child. I can't remember what his name. Oh yeah. What his name is. Now I'm all of a sudden at the zero hour here live <laughs> by satellite. I'm blanking on what his character's name is, but, uh, he, I realized that he died the last year mm-hmm. and that made me really sad because he was an actor that wasn't in a lot of movies, but in my opinion, his performance as, um, that character, Ma- Mark. And Mark Wiener, thank you. As Mark Wiener in uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse and Palindromes is one of the best, one of the best just performances in any movie ever. I just, he feels so real. He's so, he's just like a real, like he's just, like if you've ever known like somebody who's just like kind of a nerd, you know, but like mm-hmm. in a real, like in a way that like, I don't know. I don't know how else to to describe it yeah. except it just felt it felt real. It felt like somebody I knew in real life and the kind of person that you never see really in a movie, you know? And yeah. it's like, wow. And that movie's full of people like that. Welcome to the doll. And right. I just started getting and I, I do want to mention the wheels. Go ahead. Um and and Welcome to the Dollhouse especially is like um, I was thinking of a way to describe it, and there was a, there was a movie that has come out since that movie has come out that I think is the kind of mirror image to it, like the opposite um, of it. And that movie is say. is Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, and it is a 
a, a positive negative version of those where you have this very uh, fun and campy movie in Napoleon Dynamite. And then you take that same aesthetic and you apply it to this extremely dark comedy mm-hmm. um, that plays those same elements for the same laughs, but is dealing with a much, much, much darker subject matter. Um, no, totally. It's, it, it's a very interesting way to look at that. And it makes Todd Salons a very interesting filmmaker, I think. Dude, in my opinion, he is he's the best um, filmmaker, American filmmaker of the 90s. In my opinion, like I was, I had that, I had that epiphany when I was talking about, I was posting about Welcome to the Dollhouse and how meaningful that movie is to me and Palindromes and just going through his filmography and stuff. And I was thinking like, I, I would much, I would rather watch like a Desert Island movie or whatever. I would take that over Pulp Fiction or anything yeah. Quentin Tarantino ever made. Or even like, I just watched Days and Confused last night and I think that's like a perfect movie. I would take it over that movie even, you mm-hmm. know, I just think. Welcome to the Dollhouse to me is just like it's 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 so it's beyond it's 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 one of the best movies ever. It's in my top ten. Yeah. With the and I think that it's great with with that movie and then again with this movie with Dark Horse. Um, I think Todd Salons is very good at creating these characters that are just repulsive, that are awful people that have the worst thoughts in the world, but are incredibly relatable um, because they are your thoughts. Yeah. It is your inner monologue that that character is expressing and it is hard, hard to watch. It is incredibly hard to watch, but it's so relatable and fascinating that you wonder how this guy was able to kind of tap into you into the shit that you've never talked about with anybody else ever, yes. not even the people closest to you. Yes, and express it so clearly. Yes, um, and it's kind of terrifying, and the fact that he's making a comedy about it, and um, it is brutally like funny. It like yeah. there's so many parts where you like it is it's very it's not and it's not even like something that's like hard to watch like cringe funny like I mean some of it is but like, yeah some of it is just like. It like hits you in the face, like just how yeah. like dark and it is, or whatever. And we don't mean dark in the way that this is like people get shot with guns and stuff. It's all mm-hmm. everything is like just real everyday meanness yeah. and stuff like that, you know. But I feel like one of the things that also separates him from movies that are like this that are just too mean is that like that's not his point of view, you know. Like he's making a movie about these people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like Todd Salons is a mean character or a mean person. No, you know, necessarily. He's, he's never, he's always looking at these people just completely uncritically and letting them exist in this space and make the choices on their own and then not guiding them to any certain point of view. These characters have these points of view whether that's good or bad is really up to you and the filmmaker is not going to guide you in any way to uh, tell you what decision you need to make. Yeah. And that is difficult to deal with sometimes. And I think, you know, you, you instill those things into a main character who is not like 
you know, this isn't like, oh, they're an anti-hero. No, absolutely not. They're a very real person with incredibly complex and sometimes very bad personality traits. Yes. Um, and that we just have to take them as a whole. We don't have to like them, but we do have to understand them in order to follow this story. Yeah. And yeah, uh, so. this character, the main character played by... Uh, it's it's not even the top build for some reason. It must be is it alphabetical the listing, but it's the Jordan Gelbert or Gelber mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep. But she's an actor like I have no idea what he's in. This is like a powerhouse performance, like just true dedication to being like he's so smug. He's like I mean mm-hmm. this movie to me I is one of the most disturbing of all Todd's or it's hard to watch of. Uh, Todd Salon's movies because like I feel like I really know people I've known people that are like very close to this person you know and it's just Mm -hmm. like it's so brutal it's funny but it's like he lives at home he like shops he buys toys all day long and stuff and he's Mm -hmm. extremely mean to his like his parents his co-workers his friends or whatever, like he doesn't really have friends, but like, it's like, he's just, and he's so, it's just, he's so smug through the whole movie. Like he has no point where he learns that he should not, that he's not smarter than everybody. Yeah. Like he never repents or anything. And I just think it's like, it takes, you know, the dude had like true dedication to act the role. And it's just like, it's perfect. I mean, I think, Mm -hmm. God damn. Like this, yeah. the, the central performance in this movie is just like amazing in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, to kind of get into the title of this movie, Dark Horse, and the, that, that term comes up twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, once um, Abe, our main character, mentions it and the idea of, you know, um, the team, the Giants being a dark horse and how his father, played by Christopher Walken, was always rooting for the dark horse. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of comes in, I guess it comes in at a very, at a third time at the very end. Yes. Um, and so it really, you, you are set up of the expectation that, that Abe is the dark horse of these two sons. One is very successful and the other one has the potential, the dark horse, meaning having the potential to overcome these obstacles, continuously getting beaten down, but then coming out on top of the end when nobody expected them to. And following a person where this is set up as an expectation, they even think they are that themselves because Abe is so sure of himself, so sure that everyone else is beating me down, but I am right and I will overcome this, but that never comes. He's so confident. And it usually works out that way too. You know, this idea of a dark horse is really a fantasy. And that is really interesting because... This movie, and this is something that Salons has done before, most notably, I think, in Life During Wartime, when uh, the John Lovitz character from uh, Happiness comes back, played by Paul Rubens. Yes. Uh, to, you know, he's a dead ex-date ex mm-hmm. of this character. Yes. And this one, he has certain fantasies about him talking to his father's secretary. Yes. Or, and the type of person that she is and his fantasy about her. He goes into these like long diatribes about 
this, you know, he's built up this fantasy about people being against him and working against him. And then when he finally says this during a phone call to his brother, it sounds fucking ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, because he is just so self-centered yeah. on himself. Um, so it's just like this weird thing about like these fantasies kind of coming up about and him playing yes. it over and over and over to the point where he's so confident that at the very beginning, he asks Selma Blair to marry him uh, yeah. and is really a decision that causes him even more <laughs> troubles. And he's so pathetic and he like he fucks it up from minute one, mm-hmm. but still gets so far with her. Yeah, and it's like it's crazy how far yeah. he gets with her, you know, and like, but <laughs> yeah, this movie is, it's I I love it. I mean, he he's very ex- experimental, like in the way mm-hmm. he does things. He famously, the MPAA wouldn't allow him to have a sex scene in storytelling with actually the same character that uh, Selma Blair is playing. In that movie, in this movie, they're like canonically mm-hmm. the same character, but um, where there's like a sex scene, but he had some because some clause in his contract allowed him to keep the scene in, but put a huge red box over them having the image of them having sex, and like yeah. that's how the movie is, and he like loves it, you know. So like in this movie, another yeah. thing, like I saw he he was just like let's film in front of Toys R Us. And then didn't get the rights, so it's just blurred out in the movie. I love yes. that, dude. That was awesome. Yeah, that was something I noticed. And, uh, you know, as, you know, I have I have not seen all of Todd Salonzo's movies, but I have seen a lot of them. I have not seen palindromes, but I have seen, um, I have seen storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I have seen both versions, the both uh, the uncensored and the censored version. Mm-hmm. And the censored version is a pretty big fuck you to... Um, the MPAA. Yes. And what it, what it was, as, as you described, is just a very open sex scene uh, with Selma Blair. And the MPAA said no, essentially. And he, and he had to cut that out. And he was like, okay, I'll just put a box over it, like a big Nickelodeon orange mm-hmm. box over it. Yep. So the audience knew it was happening, but couldn't see it. And the language is what's really rough about, like, yeah, what, yeah. I mean... It's more, I mean, that's not the thing that's rough about it, but like you still, you get the entire, it's just like, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. By having the box ever like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 that's hard to watch too. I mean, either way. Oh my God. That movie. We'll we'll talk about, we can talk more about Solon, but like, let's just like roll through this real quick. I just wanted to like, what I was bringing up about him being experimental. I think this movie he really deals like I, and you mentioned in life during wartime, he has that too, where like she sees like visions of Paul Rubens and stuff like that. And this is like, so much of the movie was like misdirects of like, is this really happening? It's like, no, it's all in his head and stuff like that. And to the point where something extremely like fantastical happens at the end, it's like, what and but you're just like you're fine with it It, it, i guess Mm -hmm. at the end it's like i guess that is what really happened like i don't know yeah but um uh yeah all that stuff like and all the monologues i think his maybe his finest todd salon's his finest like monologue that he's written for anybody 
is when the ex-boyfriend with the full jaw thing yeah, is like speaking through this like crazy thing on his jaw because Abe hit him. He didn't hit him that hard, but in Abe's fantasy, he like full on like broke his jaw, you know? Yeah. But he gives this monologue about how like Abe is just like a loser, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just so, it's so brutal and honest, you know, about what the character yeah. is. And stuff, and it's all it's, it's all Abe's in Abe's head, you know. And he's seeing his mom, like he just has. I don't know. It's it's interesting how it, it plays with like fantasy versus reality, like heavily. This movie does. Well, also, I, I want to say about you know his his mom. You mentioned. I want to mention like everyone around him. You know his his brother is a successful doctor in California, mm-hmm. um, and calls him Abe has made this story up about how why he resents him and why they hate each other and why they don't talk and it's really probably more the brother just like man my brother is hard to deal with yeah um but also he doesn't he also gets angry too he's that he doesn't try to calm him down and he enables him to to a certain extent more so does his his mother and father uh, played by Christopher Walken and Mia Farrow. And they're like, his dad allows him to keep working for him despite the fact that he's a total fuck up. Like, doesn't do anything. Yes. And then his mom just, you know, they both allow him to live with them. Well they enable him, they frustratingly enable him through mm-hmm. the whole movie. And it's like, it's another thing that's hard. It's very realistic, you know, like in that way. You know, this movie, yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about Todd Salons is that he has things that are extremely realistic. And I think him touching on thoughts that we don't ever speak, but like we have, you know, like our ugliest feelings and stuff, and him putting that in the movie makes it feel more real. So then mm-hmm. when something crazy happens, like in storytelling, when the little boy successfully hypnotizes his father into loving him more like mm-hmm. you know like he has he he has little like tinges of magical realism that happen in his movies and they're kind of jarring but they work because it's i don't know he's one of those directors too where everybody talks the same way kind of you know or they don't talk you know what i mean like they're all like like i feel like early wes anderson is definitely like that and like maybe all western maybe all of it is actually now that i think about it but like and not in a bad way, but it's just like it's part of his style is like the way that people talk and stuff in the movies. I don't know. But just having like it's very like written by a person, you know, I don't know. Kevin Smith is another person like when it's good, it's like it's their style, their style comes through. And it's like, I mean, Shakespeare is another example of a writer that does this anyway. Well, I mean, you know, kind of kind of going into that touches of magical realism and the, kind of the fantasies that we see across kind of like a lot of his movies. Like, there's even the point where in Welcome to the Dollhouse, Wiener Dog has this whole fantasy about uh, finding a kidnapper who has kidnapped um, her sister mm-hmm. and finds them. And then everyone recognizes her an accomplishment of hers mm-hmm. and tells them that they love her mm-hmm. and which is all she's really searching for, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where this dude who is ultimately looking for the same thing, but doesn't know how to express it mm-hmm. 
calls her up and says he's going to rape her, mm-hmm. you know, because that's how he, he knows to ask her out on a date and say that he likes her. And, her, and that is so Brendan Sexton III in one of the greatest child performances of all Ooh. time. Both of them, both, both of them, to, to deal with that and, and to, her, to her to accept that because she is also looking for the same thing and doesn't know how to, how to express it. And here is someone looking for it in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And that is hard to watch. Um, and then she levels you know, like super hard abuse at her other friend who's mm. like her best. And it's just like, there's no heroes in salons. No, no, world. it is, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, in, in, uh, in happiness, you know, there's a certain character in there who is, that you follow as a main character yes. who does nothing but awful things. And you're just like, you, you understand children. why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You understand why they're doing it and why they're compelled to do it. But it's just like, no, Unless no, I understand why you're doing it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like don't. And, and then when they kind of get the comeuppance, it's like, they are not wronged at all. They got everything that they deserve for, for going through with, with what they did and making that decision. It's just Salons has made the choice to follow that character and put that character at the center of the story. And, um, and yeah, again, with Dark Horse kind of feeding on that Wiener Dog's dream of accomplishment, mm-hmm. um, I think at the very end of this movie, when he finally sees, he peels back the wallpaper and he sees kind of that height chart, that is the last thing that he's ever accomplished. You know, that is the last time anyone was proud of him for anything that he did and all it was was growing to a certain height and being yeah. measured and that's it yeah um so yeah that's difficult it is and it then is the final that the little tag on the end where the secretary who clearly cared about him so much like she's dreaming about dancing with him yeah and that's and then she it just like she snaps out of it she's at the office and then it's just yeah, business like back to, I don't know, it's yeah. Crazy. And it's just his the date where he died is wrong on his tombstone, <laughs> and oh his my brother God, points man. it out, and his dad is like, you know, your mom, it'll upset your mom. Just like it doesn't matter. Like shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, man, that is that was rough. I think was... I honestly think this is one of Christopher Walken's best performances. Yeah, I mean, you you see him especially, you know, I- even in the era that this movie was made, that he's kind of hired to be Christopher Walken and play a Christopher Walken type. Mm-hmm. Um, where and and this one, it was really brought into play a character, you know, and he really, you know, he didn't have to do much, but he was like, okay, th- because that's what the character needs. Yeah, it's like holding I mean, your he, body like this. He and Mia Farrow are so good as the parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has. Walken has like this crazy hair piece on the whole time. And like yeah. he's always, he's got like a beer in his hand. He's at home. He's just kind of like silent and stuff. But like, and they both like love their son, but like, it's just like, how do you deal with this asshole? You know, he's like 35 years old. He's just. So I think it's about time that we head over to the big roundup. You know what? Let's do it, Will. Ooh. 
Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. I would rather have a day job than be a Pokemon master. Han Solo is clearly more attractive than Indiana Jones. I would take the Star Wars trilogy over the Matrix trilogy any time. The Legend of Zelda versus Super Mario. Who's better in bed, Jafar or Gaston? And would Thanos masturbate with the Infinity Gauntlet or not? Every week, Nerd Rage The Great Debates brings you the funniest comics, writers, and podcasters to settle some of geekdom's most divisive topics. Find us on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. Welcome back. We are here now with the big roundup of Dark Horse. Yes, and, not a lot of uh, tangents on this episode. We're just talking straight no. salons, Dark Horse. You know, I think... A lot of distractions on this episode that yeah. I have conveniently cut out, but <laughs> no, not a whole lot of tangents, uh, except, I think, in other salons movies. Yep. Um, so, uh, Randy, this is your pick. What would you give Dark Horse? Well, well... I think this is a fucking amazing movie. I I really like it a lot. I think when it came out, it was considered to be like Life During Wartime and then this and Wiener Dog are kind of like, I don't know, maybe some, some fans consider it to be like lesser salons and stuff, but I think this is the jewel of that era. I like the all, all of those movies, but... Um, I love this movie, man. I I was very moved by it. Strangely, you know, it's he'll get. It. I and I I say move. I don't mean like it made me cry like in the field of dreams. But it was just like it. I felt weird and changed after I watched. Yeah. It. I've seen it before, but it was just like it's just like a weird dark journey into like. It's the kind of people that you know in real life that you never see a movie about, you know, and it was just like hard to watch, but kind mm -hmm. of a necessary movie to exist, I think. And therefore, Will, I am going to give this five out of five stars. Wow. All right. Um, for me, this, I think you hit on a lot of that stuff about it being kind of, you know, the, the, the thing about Salons is that he, he does all of his movies like this, and um, the the thing uh, with uh, a filmmaker who maybe didn't speak a certain language, film film language, would do this and overcomplicate it and make it only accessible to a higher brow audience. Mm -hmm. 
the thing I think about Salons is that he does have the same um, sense of aesthetic that made a movie like Napoleon Dynamite the huge success it was. Mm-hmm. Is that because people related to that? They saw certain visual things in there, and they strongly connected that to the character. And I think he does this very well, and in a way that you can give this to someone and say, "This is what he makes movies about," and then they will understand it one hundred percent. They don't. Mm-hmm. They may not like it, but they will understand what he is going for. Yeah. And so. This one, I'm going to give it a really, it, it, my ratings are always interesting mm-hmm. and come with a big explanation. I'm going to give this one three and a half stars. Okay. And that is because compared to the rest of Salonza's work, mm-hmm. I do think it is not as far as he has gone in the past. There are much, I think Welcome to the Dollhouse is way beyond this movie. I think storytelling is way beyond this movie as far as him kind of really going for it. Mm-hmm. But as far as a recommendation, I think that if you want to introduce someone to Todd Salons and you don't want to throw them into the deep end too quickly, I think this is a perfect starting point. Mm. It hits everything. It's, it's still disturbing, but not overly so. It doesn't deal with stuff like rape and incest yeah. um, uh, and doesn't involve teenagers or pedophilia like or pedophilia huge theme throughout his whole yeah. work and it, those who and, don't know but not in this and, movie yeah and so it it's someone something that you can give someone to kind of either say this is kind of your your litmus test of do you want to continue on with this if this disturbs you too much maybe no but if you do maybe this can kind of temper you a little bit to um what is about to come next mm-hmm. as if you explore more of his work. So it is three and a half stars with a, a recommendation for anyone who wants to explore the entire catalog of, of Todd Salons. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say, yeah, we don't even need to get into like Rex because all my Rex are just going to be, everybody should watch every movie that he made. This one yeah. I picked because yes, it's accessible. It's one that I've only seen once before. I wanted to revisit because I really liked it a lot. And um, and that said, I did give this a perfect rating. <laughs> but, like, I I would give Welcome to the Dollhouse, uh, Happiness, Storytelling, Palindromes, also perfect rating. Palindromes, yeah. if you said you hadn't seen that one, man, I think that's, yeah. that's tied for me with being his, like, that ties with, Welcome to the Dollhouse, and is a sequel in in a way to yeah, it, the Dollhouse. Storytelling was so rough that I avoided yeah. salons for a while because I just didn't want to. You got to prepare yourself for it, and I think mm-hmm. this this is the first one I've seen. I, I did end up watching Life During Wartime eventually, mm-hmm. um, and my biggest complaint with that movie is the way that it was shot. Um, I don't like how dark it is. Um, it's it's a different look for a Salon's movie. And then this movie goes back to what his other movies look like. Um, and so that's another thing that turned me off of Life During Wartime. Mm-hmm. The, just the look, the, the actual look of it. So Life During um, Wartime is weird. It's a sequel it to Happiness where he recast every role. And another thing about you got to 
just take with him because all of his movies are interconnected, but he's very loose with details and timeline mm-hmm. and stuff. And so at the beginning of Palindromes, it says in memory of Don Wiener and it begins at her funeral and she's commits suicide. Yeah. And, and then the dude who plays uh, Matthew Faber who plays Mark is in it and the parents are in it too. And it's like true, like a true kind of sequel to welcome to the dollhouse. But then Wiener dog, Greta Gerwig is playing Don Wiener in a different mm. timeline. And Rory Culkin or Kieran, one of the Culkin brothers is playing uh, Brendan Sexton's character. Hmm. That that's is, that feels a bit like uh, another another movie that we reviewed, If and the and the Mick Travis uh, trilogy, mm. where mm-hmm. um, the you know at the very end of If he is killing, you know, shooting up his school, but, you know, in Oh, Lucky Man, he's working, you know, it's 10 years later and he's working at a coffee, as a coffee salesman, you know, and it's, they even kind of allude to the fact that he did shoot up a school, uh, but not necessarily. And then all the people who played everyone in the last movie come back as different characters in this movie. So. It's cool. um, I love it, man. I do too. Uh, so yeah, I think recommended uh, recommendations for me are definitely just more salons. If you're if you're up for it, just be prepared. Yeah. And so I'll I'll kind of leave it at that for now. I think Dollhouse is another one that's like it's pretty easy going. Like you can that mm. one a good one to start on. It you know? it is, but it, it is very heavy and it it is very quirky though in a, in a kind of John Waters in the '90s. You know, it was a very '90s movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but holy shit, you know, a movie about a teenage girl that I strongly identified with, uh-huh. <laughs> like that is, what? that is, that's him that is, too. That, Don't you think Yeah, that's like his avatar in the movie, you know? Yeah, it is. But it's just like, as I've kind of found out with, with like filmmakers is that if you kind of reach that level of success, you have to be a, a, someone who, who is, who can work with people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is a version of him, but that does not express the entire... Oh, well, no, of course not. Yeah, I think he's probably, like, a nice... I, Dude, yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think... Yeah, but, like, I think that that's, like, yeah, a, like, kind of, like, a version of him that he put in the movie, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he always... And he does that, too, like, with Happiness. The sister who's dating John Lovitz, I think, is to, like, because she's... It's just like she's like an ESL teacher, which is what he did for years and stuff like that. There's all these parallels to his life. All right, Randy. Uh, anything coming up? Anything you got going on? Anything we should check out? Anything coming up? No, I don't. I don't know when this is coming out. Uh, Chat Pile had a flexi come out. If you ordered something through the flinzer that might be gone now who knew i know there's like 500 of them though so i know i'm trying to get one uh yeah. but uh yeah I, I already own your shit though <laughs> yeah well I you buy another buy, copy no it'd be the way to get it is to buy something through the flinzer which is our new label so you buy like yeah. anything any vinyl from them and they would sell oh, okay there for free yeah gotcha it's just a little piece of plastic anyway it's a gotcha. disc Cool. Anyway, um, now I, I see people are getting vaccinated. Some people are just like 
somebody's like whispered to them like we have a few extras and they've gone i know people that have now gotten there so it's like it could happen to you maybe i don't know i hope everybody yeah. can get fucking vaccinated i know it's mutating and beating the vaccinations now or whatever <laughs> so who knows who knows what we'll be doing you know but uh, yeah like my folks got vaccinated you know i hope you all do get too as soon as it comes to you yeah um so uh, my mom got vaccinated, which is good. So, yeah. Um, for me, you know, SEP talk every two weeks. Uh, every week we got Nerd Rage of the Great Debates. Um, and then this show here, rate and review, tell your friends. Mm. Um, that's about it for me, uh, Randy. So, well, uh, <laughs> always a pleasure. I know this is yeah. maybe a little short of an episode, but it was dense with uh, us talking about Todd Salons, you know, yeah. filmmaker that I love. I'm glad we got to do this. So, absolutely. Yeah. Until I'm glad you got time. me to, to watch a, a Todd Salons movie I hadn't seen yet. So, hell yeah. Um, thank you for that, Randy. Anyway, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again with another movie.